This is another episode of Film Stuff. Hello, Film Stuff people. Um, today's episode is sponsored by Full Belly with Kudong. Kudong is like that Japanese donburi thing. What's donburi? It's like a thing. Meat on rice. Meat on rice. Isn't that what it is? Definitely. We ate too much. Now we hurt. We just saw Black Panther.、Mm. And what intrigued us to see Black Panther wasn't just that it was a really great movie that people were all raving about, or it wasn't just to follow the Marvel story, which we、mm-hmm. were pretty invested in at this point. But it was actually a concept called Afrofuturism. Afrofuturism. What is it? Afrofuturism is basically the. Black lens of science fiction is a theory or storyline、yeah. or what is it? What do you、okay. call this? It's a movement. I would call movement. it a cultural movement.、Mm-hmm. Now, if any of you out there are super into Afrofuturism, if any of you are scholars or have wisdom to add to the subject, please let me know because I'm a little fuzzy on the details. And we're not we're not experts. experts. We're both just discovering that this concept exists, and not because of Black Panther. Because of actually Janelle Monae is the reason why we discovered this concept existed. Basically, it's this like movement that envisions a science fiction world via black authors and black through the lens of blackness. Basically, yeah. So I'm just curious, what's the difference between looking in a different race's point of view?、Mm, very interesting.、Mm. So, for example, in the world of the Hunger Games, which we both like, Suzanne Collins, the most advanced city is the capital. And the capital is based on what the Romans did. It's a gladiator sport where they make children kill themselves for sport, like for fun, for entertainment. They have big events, and everybody has all these makeup, and like the most technological advancements is all around media. There's television screens. That's their version of like technologically advanced and powerful. It's modeled off of one of the most powerful Western historical empires. Rome,、mm-hmm. very white reading of what the future could be.、Mm-hmm. In the world of Black Panther, the most technologically advanced city on Earth is not in the West; it's in Western Africa. And their version of technology is not media. And it's not makeup, and it's not like all this vanity and playing games for sport. The technology is all about having, you know, this powerful metal that makes you invincible, and medicine that like heals people really quickly. And when they pit man against man, it's not children for the entertainment of all. It's a means of honor and taking power, and it's rooted in like a bunch of African tribal traditions, right? So that version of what is powerful, it's rooted in a lot of. Cultural kind of patterns that have nothing to do with like Western version of what power is. Actually, it felt like a different world than、uh, the regular Marvel because it's all based in America. Like Captain America is literally called Captain America, and most of the world happens in European World War Two and all、um, that agenda. And I like it was actually more ideology、um, fight. Most of the Marvel movies I saw is most of the time it's just like I am the one. For instance, Captain America is I'm the one who's saving this one problem. I'm、mm. Iron Man is like the one who's saving the problem of you know, and then the Avengers come together and saving the problem, right? So it's more of a conflict between their own stuff, and it doesn't involve like a whole tribe and whole cult, like whole world. It's more individual worlds. 
But this time, I felt like Black Panther was more ideology fight between how we see the world and how we save the world and what's really bad and good. More em- emphasizes on those kind of um, individual morals and beliefs than actual me fighting and trying to win a battle. Like, you know how the majority of the fantasy genre draws from Lord of the Rings? This is just like a real thing in literature. Really? Yes. A very large amount of what we consider like high fantasy tropes and like stuff that's like seems normal to us in the fantasy world comes from Lord of the Rings? Yeah, the token version of what fantasy is. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's super, super... Super interesting, right? In the same way that a lot of fantasy draws very heavily from Tolkien, a lot of sci-fi draws very heavily from this particular futurist movement in the U.S., mostly done by, like, Walt Disney and white men that was in the, like, 20s to 60s, basically. Like, this era of what we envisioned the land of tomorrow to be like has informed a lot of what feels natural in science fiction. Oh, now I get what it is all, not all about it, but I kind of get what now I kind of have more of a better understanding. So when we were in the 60s and it was the dawn of technology, sci-fi was very... Welcome to the world of tomorrow! Clean and it was very hopeful. And then when we got into the 90s and grunge was happening as a reaction, kind of the grunge movement was at its height, sci-fi became very dirty and very... Welcome to the desert of the Less polished, less bright. It was a lot more like the Matrix. It was a lot more grungy. Mm. But Afrofuturism doesn't have a particular like set of rules that to be Afrofuturist, you must do this in the same way that noir has to follow mm. these set of rules to be considered that or cyberpunk has to follow these set of rules to consider that Afrofuturist is a much larger concept of just literally black people writing sci-fi. That's interesting. So I will give you, because I don't want to get it wrong and I'm not an expert, I will read out to you what Mark Derry's actual definition is. Okay, that would be helpful. Speculative fiction that treats African-American themes and addresses African-American concerns in the context of 20th century technoculture and more generally African-American signification that appropriates images of technology and prosthetically enhanced future might, for want of a better term, be called Afrofuturism. So if you want to go and read the original conversations Mm. that Mark Derry had with three different people about Mm. this, it's in an essay in a book about cyber futures, and it's called, the essay is called Black to the Future. That's his, like, the original defining of what Afrofuturism is. So basically, Black Panther just killed it at the box office, which is why it's super important that we talk about it. But did you like it? Ah, this is an interesting question because, you know, the first time the Black Panther as a character was introduced was the Avengers, right? I was very, very annoyed by the character. What is this subplot that, like, Marvel is pushing that has nothing to do with this whole plot of the Avengers and this, like, who dis? 
Yeah, who it is? <laughs> Mind your own business. We don't care about your agenda. Uh, whatever, Prince T'Challa. T'Challa, exactly. It was basically it was like, well, I have some problems on my own. I'm gonna like interfere every parts of it. And I'm like, felt like, what, what, what? Who are you? We're, we're in a different story. It's like someone who keep you know when you're telling a story. There's this person who always interrupts and tries to tell its own story. Mm. So you never get to the actual stories. Feel it. Feel like distracting. I didn't like him as a character in Avengers, but I, I thought I quite enjoyed Black Panther. I thought it was okay. Uh, I liked that it was basically about the displacement of Killmonger and about how this otherwise like bright, clever, a talented royal bloodline, like this kid could have been something great in his own country, but because he was left in like the rotting terribleness of America, displaced from his own country, that he was a very sympathetic hero. Sometimes you get movie villains that are not sympathetic at all, that are just evil for no reason, but it, I think it, it was, he was a very sympathetic mm-hmm. evil where you understand why he's trying to do what he's going to do, even while you don't agree with it. One of the reasons why you and I are both a little bit excited about Afrofuturism becoming more mainstream is it definitely means that there's a possibility we'll see more nuanced and complex stories that deal with American themes instead of the Captain America version of America, which is a very old version of patriotism. Yep. I think it's, um, I think the world of Marvel got much richer by having Black Panther's own um, storyline. What can make the difference between each world is not purely on America anymore. It feels like Wakanda has its own thing going on, and it, I feel like what's going on there now. I feel like more interested in like mm. seeing the world in their perspective. One thing I've heard from few speeches or. Sp- like articles it was about about this oscar was about the black panther wasn't it was okay to have all a perspective of black people thought it might not be popular and i'm it's i don't know why i don't know why people are so afraid of that it's a, it's a <laughs> if they're not white yeah. we like here's it's Susie. it seems so ridiculous to me i don't understand it because Hollywood looks at that and they're like, if they're not white, people won't be able to understand what's happening. And literally, the rest of the world consumes Hollywood movies with no problem. Mm-hmm. Every Korean person is like, yeah, let's go see the Avengers. Like, so I don't understand why? like, why Hollywood thinks, like, if they're not exactly what we've been doing for the last 200 years, like, it will not be received by anybody. People will be confused and they won't like it. It's just nonsense. Is it a is it a conscious decision or is it an unconscious decision? It's unconscious, I think. Nobody's yeah. nobody tries to be racist. Well, some people try to be racist, but I think it's systemic. I think the the thing we face in America now is much more systemic racism. A lot of people are waking up to the fact that racism isn't just a person to person problem. That racism is a social and a systemic problem, mm. and that a lot of racism stems from people being oppressed on a mass scale, on a systemic level the last scene of the movie was definitely like they were gathered as a un on a global stage global stage and they were like saying i think it was like uh, one of the developed countries what we so-called now a developed country right ask wakanda on a poverty line what can you provide us you know that was the line and then it ends it totally and that's what's so that's we as the audience are invited to laugh at that as an audience we're allowed to laugh world yeah i think that's a really nice ending it was a perfect ending i would say 
One reason that we have to talk about Black Panther is because it was such a huge international box office success. It's like basically beat Titanic at the first couple of weeks. It outpaced like where Avatar was, which is the highest grossest film of all time. I mean, it's made over $650 million in the box office. Uh, the fact that Black Panther has been so successful is definitely one reason why we need to talk about it. Another reason why we need to talk about it is it's kind of an important cultural film because it's like marking one of the first times since the 70s with George Clinton in Parliament that Afrofuturism has gone mainstream. I think a lot of people won't actually know the concept and just consume the movie and, and like it's very entertaining. Movie. It's totally fine. And I think nobody really ta- will know about Afrofuturism, about all these cultural movements and like... I think it's important to get exposed. If you're entertained, I think that's enough. It has been consumed through a lot of people. I think that has a significance. I agree with what you say. I think that's totally enough. If the movie is popular and people like it, they don't have to know about any of the other stuff. Yeah, like, but I, I don't know. I don't know what would actually people will think about. Like, because it's hip hop, it gone mainstream. Korea consuming. We make our own K hip hop. You know. Mm, interesting point. Is it? I don't know. Hip hop used to be black people music, correct? Yes. And it's become mainstream. Everybody does hip hop, even Korean people. There's plenty of culture movements that have started in minority groups, uh, like black culture or like gay culture, that have then been appropriated by mainstream America and capitalized on. Like disco was an example, you know, the club culture of the 70s, like, you know, jazz, hip hop. There's plenty of examples of that happening. I do think, though, there's an element of like commercial success that comes from going mainstream. Isn't it kind of great that? the stuff that you do is now so popular that everybody wants to emulate it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that an element of success that we must accept if we want to achieve mainstream recognition? Like that's part of what comes with it is appropriation, unfortunately. I think lots of people aren't going to understand the context of where it comes from. Yeah. And that part is a little bit sad. But I also think it's a very dangerous thought to think that things are better when only I know about them. When they're secret and hidden and small, that that's better. It's like, oh, I knew that band before they became cool. <laughs> I like your voice. <laughs> you know what I mean, though, yeah. do Yeah, but it's a different concept. It's not about the band. I, it was unpopular and I just knew when it got popular. It's not the same thing, right? It's a more of a cultural thing. For instance, why I got really always perplexed about L.A. Korean K-Town. You know, for instance, what I feel very torn about is like a lot of people like Purejige. But for me, it's like a kind of a sad dish because it's like it's a culture that came from army because we we are in a war state. I would also like to interject. Purejige is kimchi and spam, beans, cheese, ramen, sausage, just like a bunch of army stuff. Like it's called army based stew. You know, like a lot of people know and like it. And I feel like, wow, I feel like, yeah, it's, I cannot choose which, which one gets selected and be liked about a mess. You know, that's how I feel about it. I'm still grateful that people know more about Korea than a decade ago. But at the same time, the parts that's consumed and like known, it's not the part that I feel what my culture can, you know, represent. You know, I feel like, yeah, but we have more better stuff, but I cannot choose what is consumed by other people. I think it's this, this conversation is so hard to have because yes. I also think it shouldn't stop you from wanting to understand and experience other cultures. Exactly, exactly. I feel like... 
I don't know even how to talk about it. I don't even like for instance Black Panther is not my culture, is not my um heritage. It's really hard for me to talk about it. But if you're coming from a different culture and I don't think it should be tiptoed around that oh I'm not from that culture, I cannot talk about it. I don't think we have to be uptight about talking about race and appropriation and I agree you shouldn't be afraid to I mean basically Marvel made this Hollywood movie that was available to us in Korea and we went and consumed it like we do all other points of culture and we should be able to talk about it like we do all other points of culture that we consume but I mean also this is not we're not experts because we're not comic book nerds we don't really like we've seen the Marvel movies but we're not like so into superheroes that we don't know Black Black Panther's history we don't know how the Avengers like all fit in we don't there's all these in jokes and stuff about comics we don't know either that makes us double unqualified to even talk about this exactly we're not talking about the marvel comics or the here i think it's just that we wanted to i think this one piece fits into a bigger picture that we don't know and we wanted to kind of talk about it because i thought it was a very interesting kind of moment that i think it's kind of fascinating because of this movie i'm now paying attention to it maybe there was always been from the 70s and you know who am I? Like, not American. Well, who am I? Doesn't know anything about anything. Because it's a mass media, we can get a little bit of exposure. A little bit. Not actual... I'm not saying it's an authentic version of, like, actual pure. But I think a little... Like, we can a little have a lick of a taste of it. Mm. Which is nice. We're like newborn babies in the Afrofuturist world. I'm sure there's other really cool movements and like subgenres like vaporwave that we don't know is happening that we'd like to hear about. If you know of any cool ones or if there's any cool Afrofuturist stuff that we should be following and reading and consuming, let us know. If you leave us a review on iTunes, that helps. That's really great for our podcast. Please do that. So we can talk more about Afrofuturism. Afrofuturism.